right. Good morning, Dorisville. You guys glad to be in the house of the Lord? Did you have a good Christmas? Amen. God is good. He's just good. I love that song. I, I told just told Travis that you could build a sermon series around that song. We're going to do a couple of songs this year. We're going to build a series around, uh, but that is one. And I really hope we believe that. You know, Jesus, you know, your name makes the darkness tremble. Jesus, you silence fear. Yeah, yeah, Jesus, your name cannot be overcome. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that Believe that. Believe it. In these crazy days, you know, of COVID-19 and elections and, and division and all of that, if you're a Jesus follower, believe that because it is true. Well, here we are, the Sunday after Christmas, and you might be saying like, you know, like, why are we still singing joy to the world? And the truth is, you know, and here's a tip you can take home and follow away and impress your friends one day. Um, but joy to the world is not a Christmas song, okay? It was written with the idea and the thought that Jesus Christ, you know, when he comes back, you know, let earth receive her king is speaking about when Jesus Christ comes back. So you impress your friends and say, did you know joy to the world is not a Christmas song? It's a song about the second coming. And they'll go, Wow. You have like a theological degree or something? He said, yeah, sure. But anyway, yeah. So, and then the title today is Christmas Comeback. Talking about, you know, comeback means something like when, when a person comes back to greatness, okay? Or comes back to a place or comes back to a situation, okay? And so we have Christmas Comeback and we're talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. And it's all Brent's fault. Uh, because, you know, he's been doing the Advent part. You know, this really worked good tagging. You know, it's worked really well. And uh, he chose to tag in the idea and the concept of, we talk about Advent, which means coming, okay? And we're talking about the coming of Jesus Christ for Christmas. But every week, did you hear it? Every week he tagged in, not only that, Jesus Christ is coming back. And so today, that's exactly what we want to talk about we want to talk about the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Our scripture this morning, and by the way, don't forget your worship event app. If you'll open your phone up and get that, all the scriptures and quotes will be there. Uh, it will help you as you follow along. You can add notes also um, there. But our scripture this morning is, is a unique one. and It's, it's a go-to verse. Um, chunk of, a chunk of it, okay, just fits perfectly for funerals, okay? But, but in the bigger scope, it's not a funeral scripture. Okay, you know, it's not funeral scripture at all. But it's 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 13. And i tell you what I'm going to do. Nancy, I'm going to do something a little bit different. I'm going to go ahead and read the entire verse, and then we're going to come back and break that apart as we journey through this today. Okay? So here's what 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 says in its entirety. It says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. So you will not grieve like people with no hope. And the setup is like this. You know, there's a church in a place called Thessalonica. And, and Paul was, you know, apparently they wrote Paul and said, Hi, Paul, how you doing? Did you have a good Christmas? You know, those kind of things. And then, and then they said this. They said, Hey, Paul, we were wondering what happens to people that we know and love who know Jesus when they die. So what happens to people who know Jesus when they die? Okay. So Paul is writing back to the church at Thessalonica and, and what we have now in the book, in, in the Bible, the book of first, first and Second Thessalonians, he's writing back and answering that question. Okay. Now, now you're going to find out right away that it's a family deal. It's a family deal. Look what he says when he starts off. He says, and now dear brothers and sisters, and now dear brothers and sisters. And that's what I say. You know, there are two times when family really gathers together. And one is a wedding, 
You know, you invite all your relatives so you can get lots of presents. Okay, we know why you invite us. You're after our money. We know this, okay? Yeah, so, so you invite all the family and everybody to come to a wedding, and then when someone dies, and someone dies, you know, and, and, they, and they hold funerals. You know, my, you know, my brother's coming from Montana, and so we need to wait for them to get here. And so, so we see that, and we want to show you today that what Paul is going to talk about is a family affair. When we talk about the second coming of Jesus Christ, it is all about family. I love the fact that it says, dear brothers and sisters. I want you to see something. I want you to see that we need each other. That we need each other. Over in Romans chapter 12 and verse 4 and 5, you know, Paul says this, just as our bodies, okay, our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function. We all know that. You know, you got ears and they hear and eyes and you see and arms and when you're preaching you get to wave them around and hands grasp. You know, all our, our body has all these different parts, okay, and they have a specific function that they do. Well, that's a setup for verse number five there because he says this. So it is with the body of Christ or Christ's body. Just like your body has lots of different parts and each part is specifically for something, he says, so it is with Christ's body. And here's the key phrase I want you to grab a hold of. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to one another. So when he says up there, dear brothers and sisters, he's talking about the body of Christ. He would be talking about us belonging to the body of Christ. He'd be talking about a chunk of people like us, a local assembly belongs to the body of Christ. But truthfully, he's talking about every person who's ever belonged to the body of Christ. And by the way, that crosses denominational lines. Okay, that means that you've got some brothers and sisters that belong to the Methodist Church or maybe the Presbyterian Church. Any gospel teaching, believing local body is part of the body of Christ. Okay, and but he says, let me read to you again. As it is, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts in one body, and we all belong to one another. Hey, we need each other. We need each other. Um, one of the one of the difficult things about COVID um, has been how the body has been separated. Now, I'm not talking about divided over the issue, mask, no mask, or whatever it might be today, okay? I'm talking about the fact that we have been separated, and, and it's been very difficult, okay? You know, even right now, we're still looking at about a half our congregation. Um, last, last February, March, we were running right around 300, and we're still running about 150 and 160. So, so half of the people we love have not been able to come back to church yet. So separation is a very difficult thing. And one thing I'm looking forward to this year as the vaccine or whatever, how this all plays out, I'm looking forward to the body coming back together because, frankly, we need one another. The, the challenge that God has given us in this world is so great, we need as many on board as we can have. So I'm looking forward to the body coming back together. And again, if you're watching on Facebook this morning, we're so glad that you're doing that. If you're going to watch later, if you're listening on the radio, that's great and awesome, and we understand that. But I hope you have a plan to come home. Hope you have a plan at home. I'm going to be very candid with you. And not judging, not casting rocks at anyone. But if you're going to Walmart and Rule King, you can come to church. We are safer than Rule King or Walmart. We have a mass service early in the morning. And, of course, we have one uh, now. Uh, it's not mass. It's optional. So, so we want you to come back. Why? Because we need you. Because the challenge of 2020 is huge. It's huge. There's a culture out there who so desperately needs Jesus Christ, and we need everybody. So, so Paul says, it's a family affair. It's a family affair. Um, you know, we, we're many parts of one body, and we all belong to one another. So it's a family thing he's fixing to talk about. And then he says in the second part of verse 13, 
We, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. Okay? Now, now, he wants you to know because it's important. He wants you to know because in knowledge there's peace. You know, there's knowledge. When, when you know what's going on, you have a certain amount of peace. And so he said, you know, I want you to know what happens to believers because when you know, you have peace. Um, James Ogden is an old preacher guy, but what he said is very, very good. This is one of those things, if you've got the app out, you might want to make sure you start or something because it's really good. Um, or if you're taking paper notes, you might want to write this down. Um, death to the Christian is the funeral of all his sorrows and grief or evil or pain. And the resurrection of all his joy. I just love that. I just love that. You know, because, you know, it says, we want to tell you what's going to happen to the believers who died. Well, understand that if you're a believer and you die, it's the funeral of all your sorrows and all your pain and all your suffering and all your consequences and all your regrets. It's the funeral of that, but it's the resurrection of all your joys. Hey, heaven's a reality. Heaven's a reality. And for the Christ follower, eternity is out there, and it's an awesome and wonderful thing. So he goes on in verse number 13, the third part, and says, We want you to know all this so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. Now, now, notice, you know, you know, we grieve. I mean, you grieve when, when, actually, we grieve over more than things like that. I have grieved over the church family being separated. I have grieved over these last 10 months that things have not been like I wish that they were. I, I'll be honest with you. I've grieved. I've grieved over the division that's been occurring in churches, not just ours, but in churches over certain rules or not rules, you know, mask or no mask. I have grieved over that because it's been such a difficult thing. But he says, you know, we don't want you to grieve like people who have no hope. Now, here's one thing weird about, you know, the Bible says we're peculiar. Did y'all know that? Yeah, I think it was Peter who said, you know, we're just weird. You know, Christians are weird. It's a good weird, but we're weird. Okay? So here's the bottom line. So as Christians, we live differently. I mean, you, you know, if you're living today, if you're out there like in culture and no one knows you're a Christian, that's not good. That's not good. Somehow, some way, I mean, you shouldn't have bumper stickers on your car necessarily. You shouldn't have to wear a button. Okay? You shouldn't be holier than thou. But people could, should kind of know that, that you're, oh, dear, I've got to say it. You know, Jonathan got a T-shirt. My son-in-law. Got a T-shirt, and on the front it's black with white letters, and right across the the chest was the word believer. And I thought, who gave that to you? Who? Becca gave it. Boy, his wife gave it to him. Pood, where's my believer shirt? Tell you what, but here's the deal. Here's the deal. I looked at him on on Christmas morning when he and I'm not trying to puff him up. He's so skinny you can puff him up anyway. But anyway. I looked at him, I said, you know the best part of that shirt, Jonathan? It's true. I said, you are a Jesus dude. People know. People at A&W Plumbing know he belongs to Jesus. He doesn't have to wear a button. He doesn't have a bumper sticker on his car. Just the way he is, Jesus oozes out of him. And that's the way it should be. Amen? That's what it should be. So people don't know you're a believer something's wrong. So, so, so we live differently. You owe me dinner, dude. No one gets that, many, that much good press in one sermon. I tell you what. Okay? So, so it's, you know, we live differently, but watch. We die differently. We die differently. I mean, you know, Christians have the hope of eternal life, obviously, when we die. And so we die differently. We, we can close our eyes in the sleep of death with a hope and with a promise. Okay? But here's the deal. We grieve differently. 
We grieve differently. That's the big deal. That's the whole deal. You know, we just do it differently. You know, it's a good illustration. I use it every once in a while about money. You know, if you know me, I don't carry much money. Um, well, that's another story. Anyway, I don't. You can't get free lunches if you have money in your wallet. I mean, it's just the way it works. But anyway, anyway, anyway. So let's say, let's say I put $20 in my wallet. I'm sorry, my pocket. Get it out of my wallet, put it in my pocket, okay? Now, let's also say this. <coughs> let's go ahead and say this. Let's say I'm walking along. I'm getting near my car. I put my hand in my pocket. I get my keys. And as I pull out my key, unknown to me, my life savings, $20, falls on the ground, and I keep right on walking and get my car and leave, okay? Now, I get to where I'm going. I put my hand back in my pocket. Where's my $20, okay? Now, if you know me, I'm probably going to grieve, okay? I'm going to grieve. Really. I'm, oh, no, I lost my $20. I mean, I, you know, wow, I lost my $20. I'm, it's going to be a big deal to me, okay? Now, that's one kind of grief. You grieve with no hope of ever seeing it again. It's gone. It's gone. But there's another kind of grief, okay? Let's say, same scenario. I got $20, and it's in my pocket. I get home and pull my keys out and put it on the counter, and Judy, the money manager, sees my $20, okay? And she says to me, Dwayne, you know we should take that $20 and put it in the bank. In 600 years, it'll be worth $22, okay? <laughs> that's, that's how it works, okay? And so I give her the $20, okay? And now, all of a sudden, I have a new grief. I have a grief that I no longer have access to my $20, but I have the hope that one day it'll be worth more. We grieve differently. We lose our loved ones to death, but it's always, if they're Christians and we are Christians, it is a good night and not a goodbye. It's totally different. We will see them again, again. So we grieve differently. So Paul says, you know, we don't want you to grieve like people with no hope. Um, Woodrow a crow said this, we rejoice in spite of our grief, not in place of it. We, we rejoice in spite of our grief, um, but not to, re, to replace it in place of it. Of course we grieve when our loved ones die, but we don't grieve like people with no hope. Um, someone else said, can't give credit because I don't know who said it, but, but grief is the last act of love. When, and believe me, I've been to lots of funerals, but, but we go there and grief is the last act of love we can give to those we love. Okay, um, where there is great love, there's great grief. Where there's great love, there's great grief. I've gone to some funerals, and you can tell it just wasn't a tight relationship, and there was not a lot of grief. But I've gone to some, it's just heartbreaking because of the deep love. It's not that they don't have faith. It's not that they don't believe in Jesus. It's just the love was so very deep. But Paul says we don't want to grieve like people with no hope. And then he shifts gears. And then he shifts gears. In verse number 14 now, he says this. For since we believe, okay, so, so already you see whatever he's about to say changes whatever he's going to say later. Whatever he's about to say changes what he's about to say later, okay? For since we believe that Jesus died and was, and was raised to life again. Okay, okay, here's the pillars of our faith, okay? Since we believe that Jesus died and was raised, it's going to change what Paul is fixing Today, so you say, so these pillars of faith, listen, have you noticed that lots of people died on crosses? I mean, that's, that, that's, that's true. You know, a lot of people in Roman times, they died on Roman crosses, okay? But Jesus carried it to the next level, and it strengthened A and strengthened B. Because when he died, he came back to life. 
I mean, I could say that I'm going to die on the cross for the sins of the world, but if I stay dead, you go, well, yeah. Okay? But what if, what if you predict it? What, what if before you even die on the cross, you say, well, here's the deal. I'm going I'm to die on a Roman cross, and three days later, I'm going to resurrect. Okay? And guess what? It happens. You go with that. You go with that. Okay? So, so, so here's the deal. Since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, that changes everything. It changes everything. So Paul says, since we believe that, it does. You know, here's what, here's what Paul said in, in 1 Corinthians 15.3. It really just expands on the idea Jesus died and resurrected. In 1 Corinthians 15.3, here's what Paul said to the Corinthian church. I passed on to you, I gave you, okay, uh, what was most important and what had also been passed on to me. Christ died for our sins. Christ died for our sins, just as the scriptures say. So the fact that he was the atoning sacrifice, the, the payment, the, the wages for sin was death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So when Jesus died on the cross, then he paid the price for our sin. Uh, 1 John 2, 2 says he alone was the atoning sacrifice for our sin, but, and then he goes on and says this, but not only our sin, for the sins of the whole world. Okay, so Paul says it's hugely important that you understand and believe, okay, that Jesus died for your sins, okay? And, and this, 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 this is, you know, a one-time visual representation of God's grief over sin. I mean, you look at this, you say, well, why, you know, how, how does God feel about sin? You look at that and you know. He was willing, he was willing to send his son to a Roman cross to die, okay, because of sin. Because of sin. You want to know how sin grieves God? There's your answer. Oh, 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 and by the way, you also want to know how much God loves you? There's your answer. There, there's a good place for an amen. And it really is. This, this, should never, this should never grow old. The fact that Jesus Christ died for us and that he resurrected, as Paul is fixing to say. He says, so he died, according to scripture, he was buried, and he rose again from the dead on the third day, third day, just as the scriptures said. So that's the pillars of the faith. That's the pillars that gives us the hope that Jesus Christ is coming back and that our loved ones are safe with him. You know, the fact that he resurrected, you know, is a big deal because it assures our resurrection. His resurrection assures our resurrection. It gives us the hope that we need. Well, he goes on in verse 14, the second part, and says this. We also believe. Now, now, since we believe, since we believe that what? Jesus died and that he rose again, buried and rose again. Watch this. We also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. So since we believe that Jesus died, since we believe that Jesus resurrected, okay, we also then can believe that Jesus is coming back. It's a done deal. It's a real deal. And you know what's crazy? And I threw some numbers out. I probably need to check them. But it's a high number. A high percentage of believers today no longer believe in the second coming. They don't believe the rapture is going to happen. They believe it's some kind of metaphorical thing that God used to kind of paint a picture. It's not going to happen. Unfortunately, a lot of preachers don't believe it anymore either. You know, it's crazy. 
It's just crazy. But Paul says it clearly. No, 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 no. If you believe this, that Jesus died, and you believe this, they resurrected, we also can and should believe that Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back, when he comes back, he will bring with him the believers who have died. I, I love this. I love this. See, see, there's a thought, there's an idea that, that some people believe that when you die, like you, you all of you, all of you, you all, your, your soul and your spirit, your body, all go to the grave and you kind of just sleep there. That's not in the Bible. It's foreign. Do you see what he just said? God will bring back with him. For him to bring them back, they got to be with him. So, so what I want you to understand is, is that when you die or your loved one dies, you know, your, your old body goes into the grave, but not the essence of you, not the soul and spirit. It, it goes into the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when the second coming happens, he brings back that soul and spirit and will be united with a brand new glorified body. Okay, so don't think, don't think, don't think. If you want to go out to the graveyard and, and, you know, and just remember your loved one, that's cool. But don't think he or she is there. And don't you dare think you're going to get there one day because you're going to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. This is what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5.8. We are confident, we are sure, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. You are, you are here and then you are there. You are here, and then you are there. That's what Paul teaches, what the Bible, Bible teaches. And it's so good to know we don't go out to Sunset Lawn and lay there waiting for Jesus to come back. You know, absent from the body, present with the Lord, and instantly we're with him. We go from here to there. And so then he goes on, verse 15, says this. Um, we tell you this directly. We want you to know this directly um, from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. And all he's saying is this. You know, it's a Christian courtesy. You know, don't you hate it when you're standing in line and somebody cuts in line? Yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of hard as a Christian. You know, so you're sitting there, you know, and you're at, you're at Chick-fil-A because, you know, they always got a line. You know, you're at Chick-fil-A and you're like three from the counter and all of a sudden six people jump in line in front of you. I mean, it may be a Christian organization. You may be a Christian. That's really difficult to swallow. Okay, so so all Paul is saying is, look, there's Christian courtesy here. The ones who have waited the longest are going to get to go first. Okay, and that, that's what he says. You know, we who are still living when the Lord returns, it could be some of us. Did you know there's nothing on the calendar that has to happen before Jesus comes? There's nothing on. There's nothing prophetically speaking that has to happen before Jesus comes back. He literally could come today. He literally could come today, okay? Signs of the times are everywhere, okay? So, so we tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. It's just Christian courtesy. And then, and then we get to the big comeback. He's set up now. He's set up, you know, what happens to the loved ones and what happens to us. But now he's going to give us specific details. And that's where the cross comes in. You know, it's so cool. Um, Laverne and her team did, did something just did wonderful with this. You know, because we're in the big room, we could decorate just a little bit differently. But, you know, all through the Advent season, Brent, we talked about baby Jesus, you know. You know, God became flesh, Emmanuel. God became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we had that represented here w- with the baby Jesus character, okay? But then also throughout the Advent, we've talked about this, that, that the whole, at the heart of Christmas is not a manger necessarily as it is the cross. 
the cross. See, Jesus came for one reason. Don't you remember? Jesus came for one reason. The heart of Christmas is his death. He came to die. God became flesh. This is great. God became flesh to die. Isn't that crazy? And you know what? Die for you. Die for me. Die for the sins of the entire world. And so, and so, you know, we had the birth and we had his death and the white cloth. You know, when we think about the white cloth around spiritual things, we think about, you know, his, his resurrection. You know, we think when you said Easter, you had the purple cloth, then you had the white cloth, his resurrection. But here's what happened. You know, Jen, uh, Laverne told me a little bit about this, and she says, different, Dwayne. And so when I came up for Christmas Eve service, um, I was back getting my batteries, you know. And do you know there are people who pray for me to have weak batteries so the sermon would be shorter? Yeah, they are. They have this prayer meeting. But no, no. Anyway, so I got fresh batteries. And so, so I'm walking forward, and I look and see what you see right now. And you know what I saw? A bridal veil. A bridal veil. Oh, yeah. See, see, all in Scripture is the concept and idea of a, of a wedding of that time and how it ties in with the second coming of Jesus Christ. Um, I watched a video a couple of weeks ago, and I just can't, I wouldn't try to bring all the analogies in. Uh, but, you know, Jesus from Galilee, and the Galileans did weddings just a little bit different, okay? But, but when, you know, when, when Jesus said, you know, I'm going away, and I'll come back and get you, it's a perfect tie-in to a Galilean wedding. I mean, it's all just, it's, you just have, trust me, it's just all, we'll talk about it one day, it's just all tied together. And when Jesus said those things, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, okay, and receive it on myself. It's the perfect, the groom, the groom, they, they would get betrothed, okay, and then the groom, about a year later, would go to the bride's house to get her and bring him, bring her to his house. I mean, it's awesome. It's awesome. And when I saw this, I understood that all this culminates in the fact that we are the bride of Christ. Scriptural. We are the bride of Christ, and Jesus Christ is the groom. And he's going to come get us. He's going to come back one day as the groom, and he's coming to get his bride. And that is us. So, so in verse number 4 or 16, the first part, we're set up. The groom is going to come and get the bride. You know what's crazy? Is that even Jesus doesn't know when. And he said, he goes, listen, you want to know the day and hour? I don't even know the day and hour. It's entrusted only to my father. Only my father. So one day, the father is going to look at the son and say, son, go get your bride. Brent grunted, y'all didn't. But you know what? I'm a preacher of second chances. So hey, so one day... <laughs> One day, the father is going to look at the son and say, go get your bride. <laughs> Woohoo! Shoot that thing. Yeah, yeah, that's what it's going to be. That's what it be. And then, and then verse 16 happens. Verse 16 happens. The Bible says this. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout. Now, this, this is full of meaning, okay? It's full of meaning. So, so Jesus Christ, says, wait, wait, wait. Dwayne, that's just a little far-fetched. Dude. Haven't you heard? Did you not hear what I said? When a guy predicts his own death and resurrection, then turns around and pulls it off, you go with it. I mean, if, if he can resurrect from the dead, I think he can come back in the clouds. I mean, it's not a big deal. It's not hard. It's not hard. So, so he comes back. Now, here's the deal. With a commanding shout. Now, here's what I want you to write down. This is going to be a noisy affair. 
It's going to be a noisy affair, okay? Now, now we don't know what the commanding shout is, but we do know that the Lord himself will come down. Um, another great quote, Alexander McLaren said this, the early Christians, see, they, they, were, they were better than us. The, the early Christians were looking not for a cleft in the ground called a grave, but for a cleavage in the sky called glory. And so was she. They, they were looking for a grave. I mean, even back then, Barbara, they believed, they believed that Jesus was coming back. They, even though it had been a few years, even though it had been a few decades, even though it had been a century, it would not surprise them a bit if Jesus came. And we don't even talk about it anymore. We don't even talk about it anymore. Okay? So, so, so here we are, okay? The Lord's going to come down with a commanding shout. And you say, what does that sound like? It sounds like this. Lazarus! Come forth. You see, in, in John eleven forty three, then Jesus shouted, Lazarus, come out. In the same way, he gave Lazarus a commanding shout, so he's going to give a commanding shout to his bride. Now, it was a shout that the dead could not resist. <laughs> I didn't say that. I didn't say that in first service. I haven't been down. But it's a shout that the dead cannot resist, and neither, neither, will the bride. <laughs> Neither will the bride. The, the Lord himself shall come down with a shout over in John chapter 5 verse 28. Don't be surprised, he says. Don't be surprised. This is Jesus speaking. Indeed, the time is coming when all the dead in their graves will hear the voice of God's Son and they will rise again. It's going to be a deal. <laughs> it's going to be a deal. And then he goes on verse 16 and says this. With the voice of the archangel. So first, first Jesus gives a commanding shout. And then Michael, the archangel, the guy in charge, the angel in charge, also has a voice. Now, I don't know. I don't know. But here's how it may work. Here's how it may work. You know, have you ever watched the old cowboy movies? You remember the Calvary movies? You know, when they were in the Calvary? And so the guy in charge, the commanding officer, would be on the horse and he'd go, Ho! Okay, and then the sergeant major back here will look around and go, he said, ho! I don't know. I don't know what Michael's going to say. It may be an echo of Jesus Christ to let him know, or it may be his own word. I don't know, but it's going to be a noisy affair. It's going to be a noisy affair. And it gets louder yet. It gets louder. Look at verse 16, the last part. And with the trumpet call of God. So, so it's going to be a noisy affair. You've got the shout of Jesus... Okay, you've got the voice of the archangel, and then you've got the trumpet of God. Ta-ta, ta-ta, it's got to be reverie. Hey, it's time to get up, and it's time to go home. <laughs> time to get up, and it's time to go home. Someone said this, said, I'm not looking for the signs of the times. I'm listening for the sound of the trumpet. I'm not looking for the undertaker. I'm looking for the uppertaker. Jesus Christ is coming back again. He's coming back again. And then we get the order. Here it goes in verse 16b. First, first, the believers who have died will rise from the graves. Again, once again, this is the soul and spirit coming back with Jesus, and then the body is resurrected. Now, it won't be this body, okay? It won't be this body. I don't want to go through eternity overweight and bald. Do you? Yeah. No, no, no. But here's the cool part. Dwayne, what will it be like? It, it'll be like Jesus, okay? It, now, they recognize Jesus, so it'll look like me. It just won't be this. 
Okay, but, but it'll be like me. They'll know me. It's a body that can eat. Hello, Baptist. We're in good shape. You know, the Bible says Jesus ate honeycomb in his glorified body. It's a body that can transverse walls. It's, it's, it's a body that can go from here and instantly appear there. The dead in Christ are going to... Y'all do believe that, don't you? It's all biblical. It's all biblical, okay? So, so the trumpet will sound. The believers who have died will rise from their graves. And then, and then, verse 17, the first part, then together with them, after they get up, uh, together with them, we who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord Jesus in the air. Okay? Now, the word rapture doesn't occur in the Bible per se, but this is the word. This is the word where it says, we'll be caught up. Uh, the word rapture is a Greek word. It means to be snatched away. It means to be taken away. So the dead in Christ are going to rise. Boom. Okay? And then we who are alive, boom, we're gone. We're gone. Okay? Now, now again, Paul writing to the Corinthian church gives us just a little bit more details. Here's what he says. I'm telling you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed. So he says, not everyone at the rapture, not everyone's going to be dead. There are going to be some of us. We could be alive. Again, there's nothing on the calendar that says that Jesus can't come. So it could be us. It could be us. You know, my brother sent a text out and didn't get much response from, um, from the family. Um, but, you know, he said, you know, described the culture and stuff. He said, brothers and sisters, talking about brothers and sisters, literally, said, Jesus is coming back. We need to be living for him. And again, no one responding, including me. I'm, I'm not a communicator. I'm a non-existent brother. I just, if, if my relationship, my brothers and sisters would consider, you know, count on my talking and texting, it wouldn't be, okay? But, but no one responded. And that's the problem. The church doesn't respond. It's true, and they believe it's true, but they don't respond, okay? So, so we will not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed. Now listen. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. Now, what's the twinkling of an eye? Now, now Paul, Paul, this word is translated, the word Paul uses in the Greek is translated two ways. It's translated twinkling and it's translated blinking, okay? So not only is the rapture going to be a loud affair, it's going to be fast. It's going to be fast. So what's a twinkling? Okay, well, people who are smarter than me have took that because you have a twinkling star, a twinkling, that's not only just scripturally, but... Okay, a twinkle, okay, is about one billionth of a second. So, so take a second. Here, wait. Okay, that, that amount of time, take that amount, okay, take that amount of time, divide it by a billion. Y'all supposed to be impressed. Yeah, that's wow. That, that's a wow point, okay? So if it's twinkling, if it translates twinkling, that means in one billionth, of a second, the show's over. Boom. Done. Done. Okay? If it's blinking, if it's blinking, it takes 30 to 400 milliseconds. So take that same second and divide it 3 to 400 times. Either one, this is a fast event. 
Jesus is coming back, and it's going to be loud, and it's going to be fast. I, I was watching the Weather Channel, and I know y'all get up on, on Sunday morning and watch the Weather Channel. I have to watch something when I get up because I need to, like, wake up. So I get a cup of coffee and watch the Weather Channel. And they showed a video from 2019, last year, of a woman, and she walks out on the porch. I, this is the best I've ever seen. She walked out on the porch, and right down either the corner of her house or the other corner of that house, lightning struck. And I mean... Dude, we're talking about wood flying everywhere. We're talking about something fell. I'm not even sure what it was that fell. And, of course, she just threw her hands up and ran inside. But it was amazing. It was so fast, Maggie, you didn't even see the lightning. The evidence was there. The evidence was there. The evidence is going to be here. It's going to be so fast, the world's going to go, what was that? We're going we're gonna to know. <laughs> we're going to get up. Or get gone. We're out of here. We're out of here. It happens that fast. That fast. And then it says in verse 17, the last part, then we will be with the Lord. How long? Forever. Before you get all wadded up about the COVID mess, before you get wadded up about the election or whatever it is in your life, would you remember this? Barbara, remember this. That forever is a lot longer than whatever you're going to do here. You have, I, I got my eye on my brother. It's just me and him now. We're the bookends. I'm the youngest and he's the oldest. And we're, we're built alike. We both have never smoked or drank, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I've got my eye on him. I'm figuring out, you know, maybe... Maybe he's my, my, my marker, okay? So he's up to 84. So I'm going, hmm, that, that's getting pretty good, you know? Maybe, you know maybe, maybe I'll make 84. I don't know. But here's the deal. If I make 84, if I make 90, if I make 100, what is that compared to eternity? Amen? What? Come on, come on. If, if, what is that compared? Listen, listen. Yeah, you've got some suffering here. Yeah, yeah, we've got this COVID mess. Yeah, yeah, you know, your, your body may be breaking down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what is that compared to eternity? What, how is that compared to then we will be with the Lord forever? See, remember this. Forever is a lot longer than whatever days we've got. You know, forever is longer and better. Longer and better. No matter how good, no matter how good your life is, you know, Judy and I just say it all the time, we are so stinking blessed. Okay? But no matter how good life is here, no matter how much we enjoy life here, how does that compare with forever with Jesus? No sickness, no pain, no sorrow, no suffering. So don't lose hope. This is just in the scope of eternity. You're, you're 60, 80, 20, 30, 85 years is a twinkle in the eye. It's a blink. It's a blink. And when this is over, it ain't over. We're just starting. The end of the end is just the beginning. It's just the beginning. So he says in verse 18, encourage each other with these words. Encourage each other. So brothers and sisters, be encouraged. If you have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, male or female, sorry men, male or female, you're a bride. You're the bride of Christ. And the bride, one day, will hear the call. 
and the groom, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the bridegroom will come and get the bride. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. But all of that is contingent on one thing. Do you know Jesus? Have you gotten married? Have you got married? Have you said yes to the greatest gift ever? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him and what he did should not perish, but have everlasting life. You know, we end every service with the decision time. And my brother Brent, my friend Brent's going to be standing right down here. And if you're here today and you've never gotten, I guess you have to care about your word out, but have you ever received Jesus Christ? Have you ever been married? Have you become part of the bride of the groom who's coming? We would be glad to share how that can happen in your life. It's not about religion. It's not about denominations. It's not about being baptized. It's about believing what Jesus Christ did, that he died, that he resurrected, and also believing that his word that said, if you ask, I'll forgive your sin. And then you get the choice to follow him the rest of your life. It's cool. That's part of the invitation. The second part is, is maybe today you were encouraged. And just thank God for that. And maybe today you just need to come and pray. And we got some friends who will pray with you. You know, whatever need you have today, our God is sufficient. Our God is sufficient. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for allowing us to share the word today. Thank you for the hope. Thank you for the fact that forever is a lot longer than whatever we endure here. Jesus, thank you that you have said you're coming back. And since we believe you died, and since we believe you resurrected, we can also believe, you'll keep your word on this one, you're coming back for the bride. So whether we face death or whether we don't, we say, even so come, Lord Jesus. And we pray this in your precious name.